Welcome to Life Quest Liberty, live in-depth conversations with today's top writers, editors, and spiritual leaders concerning religious freedom around the world. On today's broadcast, we'll examine local and international factors that may be impacting your right to worship and obey God as your conscience dictates. I'm your Life Quest Liberty host, Charles Mills. Labor unions, just how valuable are they to the Christian worker? Do they do enough to protect his or her rights, or can they actually work contrary to long-held beliefs? Today we continue to enjoy a conversation between Lincoln Steed, editor of Liberty Magazine, and his guest Bruce Cameron, Reed Larson professor at Regent University, a Christian research education facility in Virginia Beach, Virginia, preparing the next generation of young people who want to make a difference in the world. Mr. Cameron is a highly sought-after litigator specializing in workplace accommodation cases. This recording was made in the studios of the Three Angels Broadcasting Network. We pick up the conversation with Lincoln Steed, reviewing their discussion up to this point. Let's listen. You've been sharing some very interesting insights. I know this is your specialty. You've written a few articles for Liberty, and we've talked a bit, but everything you say makes me think even more deeply on this topic. Well, remember we were discussing my client, Dr. Robert Resser, who worked for a Jesuit university who fired him because of his fidelity to Catholic social teaching. And so he came to me and said, Bruce, can you help me? Now, consider where we've gone on the development of the law. We started out with protecting just Seventh-day Adventist people who had a church doctrine that backed them up. And then we went to Josephine Nichols, who had a per se objection to labor unions, but she wasn't a member of a church that taught that. Now we move to a guy who did not have a per se objection to labor unions, but nevertheless had a very sincere personal objection, which is what you were, were talking about which before. should be the most important. Right. Backed up by a doctrine of his church, but not a doctrine on labor unions. Here's the problem for my client. The union that was seeking to represent uh, my client and ended up being able to represent him was the National Education Association, which is the largest labor union in the United States, and its state affiliate, the Michigan Education Association. The NEA is a strong pro-abortion lobby. It's very clear that it promotes uh, abortion, it promotes uh, gay marriage, it promotes a number of issues which you know, hit the radar of a lot of conservative Christians. Well, Catholics, of course, are pro-life. And so my Catholic guy was told that he had to either join the NEA or pay its fees or be fired. And when he found out, he didn't know this at first, when he found out that the NEA was a pro-abortion lobby, he said, I can't do this. So we filed suit in federal court against the Jesuits and against the NEA affiliate, and we said... He has a right to an accommodation, just like Seventh-day Adventists, just like Josephine Nichols. And uh, the trial court disagreed with us and said, no, he only gets a rebate of that amount of money spent on abortion. But the United States Court of Appeals for the Sixth Circuit reversed and said, no, you have to accommodate all aspects of his religious belief because he not only objects to his money being used to promote abortion, he objects to associating with an organization that is a pro-abortion lobby. And so that was the huge breakthrough. I think that's the most important case I've ever litigated because now the vast majority of my clients are teachers represented by an NEA affiliate who say the NEA promotes homosexual rights, 
The NEA promotes abortion rights, and these are contrary to my faith, and I don't want to choose between uh, my conscience and my job. Tell me something. I'm sure you've got a good answer to this. The idea that by giving union dues to a union that's involved in behavior that's antithetical to your personal morality seems reasonable. Aren't we in that same dynamic as taxpayers where the U.S. government is spending (laughs) serious money and and even now money promoting family planning and abortion and things like that, but war even if you're against war? Where do you draw the line that just as a membership or, or what others are doing in a derivative way with your money, you know, how responsible are you when you vote for a person? If you vote them into office, they're acting on your behalf and, and, and you have some responsibility for what they do. Well, Lincoln, we're going to put the union lawyer hat on you because that's precisely what union lawyers ask my clients in depositions. In these cases, they say, you pay taxes, don't you? Should we be more worried about on the larger scene what's done with our money, truly with our money? Well, Where do we draw, how do we draw the line? Here's how I draw the line, and I think it's very simple. Paul says, pay taxes to Rome. Rome is obviously an evil empire at the time. You're only returning to them what they minted in the first place. Right. Good point. See, Jesus said to pay taxes. There is a difference between paying support for the sovereign and paying to support a private party labor organization. Now, yeah. labor unions often get confused about who's the sovereign, them yeah. or, or, or the true sovereign. But that's, that's the answer. The Bible, I think, is very clear that Christians are under an obligation to pay a tax to the nation in which they live, regardless of the merits of that nation's uh, policies. But at the same time, the Bible says don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers. The people I help today don't want to support the union because it's abortion, homosexual rights, those kinds of things. But the Seventh-day Adventists from the beginning were saying it is this conflict between the way unions deal with their employer and my faith that creates the controversy. And in that way, I'm unequally yoked with with unbelievers. This morning I was reading uh, some of the advice that visionary Adventist pioneer Ellen White wrote on labor unions. Her major objection was that it's part of the phenomenon of the end days of confederacies, bundles together, she says, for the burning. Yes, yes. Uh, I've read those those statements. That's an interesting dynamic, which I don't think to this day very many of our fellow Seventh-day Adventists quite understand that that's a much bigger issue than the labor unions. And I think it's part of what we observe in, in in the whole country, in the business world, which led to the collapse, in my view, corporate takeovers and consolidations and, and alliances between this and that group. And so the, the like-minded groups or business entities are, are clustering or polarizing. It's a sort of a polarization of society on every level. Well, I don't uh, object to people who have like interests getting to... Well, to, it's the to, way the world works. To, but but uh, uh, she sees that it's sort of revealing itself more and you wouldn't bundle yourself with a group that embraces some behaviors and programs that are antithetical to our Christian belief. Well, there's not just that, but labor unions are also a legally protected monopoly. Mm-hmm. And, and what they do is they act on behalf of the collective. They give up individual rights for the right of the collective. I mean, it's the, it's the Borg, you know, that takes the individual and eliminates the individual personality. So what happens today under American law unions become the exclusive bargaining representative. That means every employee is disabled from approaching their employer with regard to their terms and conditions of employment. You can only go through the union. So the union's approach is 
twofold. Number one, to say we squelch the individual on behalf of the strength of the collective, which I think is antithetical to individual rights. And they say, with regard to the employer, we will force you into this. If you don't agree to work with us or uh, give us what we want, we will strike against you, which is essentially blackjacking the employer into what they want. Now, the Bible says in uh, Ephesians 6, it says to Christians, to work for your employers if you're working for God. Would you blackjack your God? <laughs> you know, I mean, obviously many of us say, dear God, please do this. We need so-and-so. You're getting into loaded territory. <laughs> uh, I, I have held forth here uh, in other discussions that as a matter of history, we may have outlived the usefulness of it, but there was a point where, where capital and slash employers were prepared to uh, see workers as just cogs within their money-making machinery and then they didn't do the right thing and unions were a necessary rising up against that and, and, and the dynamic of the individual's right against money. I'm glad that battle was fought and won and I think it, 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 it's made a big difference to the living we enjoy today but it's possible, in fact more than possible, likely I think you'd agree, certain that the present dynamic of unions is not necessarily uh, morally right nor even uh, democratically uh, pure. Well, let, let's look at the facts on that. Organized labor represents less than 7% of the employees in the private sector. Less than 7%. Are you telling me that 7% wags the dog? It's a tail that Not wags anymore. the dog? I think our laws have picked up where the unions pushed the way. I mean, in the U.S., the law used to clearly favor big business. The whole era here of, uh, in the U.S., particularly of the Pinkertons, private police used by big business to put down labor unrest, that was very repressive. Well, except you're talking about individual actions as opposed to the protection of law. If people are involved in violence, whether they're the employer or the union, it's obviously contrary to individual liberty and individual freedom. It should be condemned. Well, but it may not be contrary to uh, civil constructs of freedom, but it's certainly contrary to, to God's way. Thomas Jefferson was wonderfully keen on, on, on the people rising up and spilling and shedding blood for freedom. <laughs> From a Christian's point of view, I think all violence begets violence and it's not good in itself. Well, here's the thing. We were able to have this wonderful charter of religious freedom as, as a result of that. And so that's the point here. It seems to me that the market controls what wages are today, not organized labor. Yes, organized, you're right. Absolutely. Organized labor course, strength it's, these it's days moved beyond that. is in the public sector. So who is the big bad employer in the public sector? It's you, Lincoln, the taxpayer. You're the bad guy that they're against. And so it's, it's totally skewed labor. I mean, whatever you might say about the past labor, today the power of labor is in organized labor and not individuals, organized labor, is in the public sector where they are dictating public policy. And what Ellen White warned using prophetic uh, biblical markers is that, that labor unions will play a very clear role in repressing freedom of conscience the further we get into the end time scenario. So I, I think the dynamic you're outlining is very clear. Unions are not really working in the correct way for individual and even uh, democratic freedoms. Well, and they subvert individual freedom and democratic rights for this reason. If you support a candidate, you can go out and campaign for that candidate, you can contribute to that candidate, you can write letters to the editor for that candidate. You never have your money used for a, an opponent. Organized labor takes compulsory dues, That's true. forced by the government, and uses it to support candidates who they 
that is who the employee does not choose. And so I think the religious liberty issue these days for a Christian who is serious is to say, you know, I'm going to stand apart from a labor union. I'm not going to be a part of a system that I think is contrary to the gospel. Hmm. That's Bruce Cameron, Reed Larson professor at Regent University, talking with Lincoln Steed, editor of Liberty Magazine. This interview was recorded in the studios of the Three Angels Broadcasting Network. I invite you to visit www.libertymagazine.org for more information and resources on this vital topic. You can read articles, check out the media features, and subscribe to Liberty for yourself or someone you think needs to hear about these important issues on a regular basis. That's all at libertymagazine.org. Until next time, this is Charles Mills inviting you to rest in the freedom of God's love. Goodbye, everyone. If you'd like more information about LifeQuest Liberty, call 443-391-7258 or email us through our website at libertymagazine.org. Join us again next week at this same time as we examine more of the threats and challenges facing your religious freedom. May God keep the flames of liberty burning in your heart today. <laughs>